All right, welcome back to the Top 25 Voter Pod. With me is the hat-wearing John Warner. Uh, it's a Texas Ranger cap. We're talking basketball, so, you know, go figure. Well, you know, this hat is from their golden era. I don't know if you can see that. Turn it. There it is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. see, <laughs> the Astros have a lot of those. <laughs> I bet these were over a decade ago. Um, uh, I don't take living the, in the past. I don't take the Astros run for granted. Let me tell you, it's uh, it's been fun. Right. Uh, but yeah, let's talk some college basketball. We decided to just uh, for the record, we decided to do our podcast here in Waco before we go to Kansas City, just because uh, you know we didn't want there to be games going on and stuff not make sense. Maybe we'll still try to provide some video content while we're in KC. But speaking of the Big 12 tournament, John, the Baylor men will open up uh, Thursday morning, um, about the time we normally do our podcast, (laughs) Uh, against Iowa State. So, uh, the Bears lost both games to the Cyclones in the regular season by 15 points, um, including 73 to 58 on Senior Day last weekend here in, at the Farrell Center. Uh, so, what do the Bears need to do to beat the Cyclones? And you know, what do you put their odds at of winning the tournament? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that. That Saturday game was pretty baffling. I, I thought they'd come out pl- playing really well, playing at home, uh, you know, kind of solidified a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. They couldn't have played much worse. I, I mean, they were bad from the start. They couldn't hit shots. They didn't defend very well. Uh, Iowa State had a huge uh, advantage in the paint. And uh, – but – Then again, it's hard to beat a team three times during a season. Scott, Coach Drew will get some things figured out. But, man, I've got to hand it to Iowa State. Uh, TJ, uh, he put together a tremendous defensive game plan. They were changing defenses all afternoon. I mean, different kinds of zones, different kinds of man. Uh, It was impressive. But uh, so, but anyway, basically they'll be playing a road game up here. Iowa State fans come in droves. Uh, they're the ones filling up a lot of the hotel space because people from Kansas, uh, Kansas State, a lot of them just drive to the games. Right. Uh, as far as getting to the championship game, I want to say the odds are pretty low because <laughs> if they beat Iowa State, they're probably going to have to play Kansas. So that, that's like another road game. So uh, I, I think it, obviously the, the Northern teams have an advantage in this tournament, especially if they're good, because it's going to be like a home game to them. Uh, I, I don't think Baylor's odds of reaching the championship are, are real good. Yeah, uh, that is certainly a disadvantage for those other teams. Um, and, you know, in terms of the geography of the tournament, um. I hate this expression. You know, I do, but it is what it is. I mean, you know, know, uh, we were talking, I was talking to my, our good friend, Chad Conan yesterday, and he was grousing about just, you know, the big 12 tournament and, 
Uh, I think he was glad he wasn't going. Uh, you know how Chad is. <laughs> he just gets he does grouse a bit. He does grouse. Uh, but he was talking about just at what a disadvantage it is for all the, these other teams. Well, yeah. to that, I would say, you know, uh, that would be a challenge a little bit to the other fan bases to, you know, pack mm-hmm. your bags and get up to KC. Um, you know, even though it's closer for Kansas and Iowa State, it's not, you know, uh, a terrible trip for anyone else. And personally, uh, I love the way KC rolls out the red carpet yeah. for the Big 12 tournament. They really care about hosting it. It goes back to the big eight days when they hosted that tournament. But it really is only going to make even more sense in the new Big 12 because we're adding more teams from all over the country. So you kind of need us a location that's smack dab in the middle of the country like KC is. So um, I can't really see it changing. But, yes, it it is certainly an advantage for the team that – Brings the most fans. So, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the Baylor women will also uh, see some of those partisan crowds Mm -hmm. as they will play Iowa State on Friday, Friday night in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Didn't get a great draw there on our game time, John. I'm I'm afraid that one probably won't start at 730. But um, so... The Bears and the Cyclones split the regular season series. Baylor had a big win up in Ames. um, And then, as Baylor fans probably will recall, when Iowa State came to Waco, that was a double overtime game that Baylor just couldn't couldn't hang on to. They had their chances for sure. Um, So, you know, in your mind, what do the Bears do need to do to beat Iowa State? and, you know, how far are they going? Uh, I think it's tough for them, too. Uh, you know, they probably won't bring as many fans, Iowa State, State women, but it, it'll still be a significant home court advantage. But then again, the Bears beat them up there, one of their best games of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I probably don't know the teams well enough to know the matchups, but uh, obviously – Baylor's going to have to play more like they did against Texas than they did against West Virginia. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think? Well, just very similar to the Baylor men. I I thought Saturday senior day was, was pretty perplexing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Baylor, you know, uh, had one three in a row coming into the day. It looked like, you know, they were building some momentum, big win in Austin. You know, we talked about that one, but, um, and, you know, not to take anything away from West Virginia and the way they played, but it just felt like Baylor was a little flat, maybe not having the same kind of energy. And that's really been a problem at home for the Bears, this team. So does that bode well for them going to KC and then on the road in the NCAA tournament? It might. I mean, they certainly play better outside of Waco, it seems. Um, I, I, I can't explain it. And I mean, you know, think about the two biggest crowds they've seen all year. They were in at Hilton Coliseum, which they won and they were down in Austin, you know, both of them were 10,000 plus crowds. Um, and you know, I do feel like Iowa state's going to have a pretty good contingent there because it'll be 
some of the same fans that are just going to the men's game. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. They need to make Ashley Jones a volume scorer, scorer, a volume shooter. Um, Like, she's going to get her points. She's the best player in the Big 12 in terms of just all around. And, um, and yeah, she's going to get 20 plus. That's just what she does. But if you can make it 20 points on 24 shots, that's better for you than if she goes, you know, eight of 12, you know, I mean, that's, and they, they, they've kind of done that against, against her. They've, they've defended her pretty well. Um, the the problem this last time in Waco was, you know, missed free throws, missed opportunities, turnovers at the wrong time, little little things like you know, I believe if hope I'm not getting my overtime games mixed up, Oklahoma and Iowa State, Baylor had OT games against both of them, but um, if I recall, Jamie Asbury had a couple free throws at the end of regulation that would have won the game for Baylor and just missed them, you know. So, and they were one of nine the other day against West Virginia, uh, free throw shooting wise. And it was the difference in the game. Gosh. So, you know, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know, but they've got guards who miss free throws and uh, that's baffling too. So, They've got to pick it up in the free throw shooting department. And and uh, Nikki Collins said that even though they haven't been great at free throw shooting all year long, they were better in the Big 12 Conference. I haven't looked that up to see if she was accurate, but I w- I'd like to see what their percentage was. Um, so she just thought it was kind of an aberration. But I bet they're shooting a lot of free throws this week. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with Selection Sunday just days away, where do you see uh, the Baylor women and men kind of being seated? And and what's their sort of ceiling in terms of how far they go? Well, as far as the Baylor men, uh, lately they've been projected as a two seed. I think it's more like a three now after losing that game to Iowa State. You know, uh, that – 21 championship team, that team could beat anybody because it was so good defensively. This team is not good defensively. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got a lot of holes. They just don't guard people as tight. Uh, They just don't have like a a good defensive stopper. And uh, that's going to hurt them, especially when their shooting's off. I'm going to say I think they can make the Sweet 16 – Maybe the Elite Eight. I think it's going to be really hard to make the Final Four since you rely so much on three-point shooting and your defense is kind of sketchy. Mm. So, uh, I don't know. What what do you think about the women? So, a lot of the projections have had the women uh, as an eight or a nine seed, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, again – is so different than what, you know, we're used to and around here in Waco. I mean, they're usually a very high seed. Um, I know a couple podcasts ago, I said something about, I thought they, that, that they would be like a six, but uh, in thinking about it more and sort of just putting the math to it, I think eight or nine is probably about right. Honestly, just yeah. uh, how kind of up and down they've been. Um and so <clears throat> then, you know, when you're an eight or a nine seed, uh, you're immediately 
in a dogfight of a game, you know, in the NCAA tournament, you know, eight plays nine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you're facing another team that's sort of in your realm in terms of at least the way the, you know, the selection committee kind of shakes it out. Um, I've said for a few weeks, I think the, this team for Nikki Collin, their absolute peak is probably sweet 16. Um, and that's the peak. I mean, they're going to have to play well to get to the Sweet 16. Can they win two games, you know, to start off the NCAA tournament? Sure, they can. And, you know, the thing, like I said, the thing I think they do have going for them in terms of a team that is a dark horse that could make a run, um, the fact that they have played well on the road and in neutral sites, you know, mm-hmm. that – you know, for whatever reason that they seem to play better and be more focused um, outside of Waco. And then the other thing I would say is the fact that they have beaten good teams all year long. Like they've lost to some, but they've also beaten plenty of them. You know, right. uh, Villanova's right outside the top 10 in the country. They've beaten Villanova. Um, you know, they've played Michigan, they've played Arizona, they've, um, you know, they've played Maryland, who's a top 10 team. And, you know, those, those games they lost, but they've also beaten Texas and beaten Iowa state and beaten OU on the road, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, they're capable. They just, they have to play well, obviously. Um, and they're just so streaky. I mean, so to me, the thing that they have to do that would be more consistent would be really get after it defensively because when they do, they can be pretty good defensively. Um, to me, Caitlin Bickle is really smart. Um, Jamie Asbury's best contributions may on, be on defense. She's feisty. Um, and so when they're executing their defensive game plan, uh, that can make up for, you know, streaky shooting, um, you know. And then if you can just get hot, you know, I mean, uh, Sarah Andrews has had some runs this year where, you know, she's been um, looking like one of the best guards in America, but then she has stretches where she doesn't. So, um, you know, you got to put it all together and we'll see if they can do that. So uh, as the podcast suggests we do both vote in the top 25 voter polls um and one of our other little duties at the end of the season uh is to vote for the all-american teams and then also for uh coach of the year and player of the year on a national basis so give me your uh picks for those superlatives on the men's side well, uh, I, I think uh, Zach Eady at Purdue is a really solid mm-hmm. player of the year. I read uh, a I read a really good feature on him. I'm trying to remember if it was on. I think it was on ESPN.com actually, uh, and it was it was kind of one of these long form journalism type pieces. You know, it really uh, and and one of the things that was just interesting to me was just sort of Purdue is kind of getting this. Uh, reputation as a place where big men go yeah. um, because, you know, the game has evolved to such that a lot of, 
a lot of modern day six, eight and up guys are going to shoot the three. They're going to um, face you up. You know, it's a different kind of game. It's positionless basketball, essentially um, five out behind the three point line, you know, and then everybody <laughs> spreads out and, and people got take guys off the dribble. There's a lot of pick and roll. Uh, but, you know, with Purdue, they put Edie in the post and let him back down and, you know, make post moves. It's old school basketball. And it's kind of fun. Yeah. And he's got really good moves under the basket. I mean, he's got good pivots and steps. Uh, you know, uh, he's averaging, I think, 22 points, 13 rebounds. He's been great all year. And to me, a player of the year, it should come from a team that's uh, been ranked high. Yeah. You know, if if possible, and I, I agree. You know, they've been number one uh, quite a few weeks this season. They aren't currently, but uh, and he's a big reason for it. And as far as coach of the year, I'm going to go with uh, Jerome Tang. I mean, picked last in the Big Twelve. <clears throat> uh, let's see, they went what 11, 11 and seven in the Big Twelve. Uh, nobody, anyway, they had two players basically coming back. So he, he pretty much had to start that team from scratch. In his first so, season. In his first season, yeah. Uh, just an incredible job. Although I will say Shaka Smart is another candidate. Uh, you know, they were unranked coming into the year, and nobody expected much of Marquette. And they're number six in the country. And <clears throat> they showed how, how good – they showed Baylor how good they were early in the year, yeah. 96 to 70, walloping against Baylor – uh, but I think I would give Coach Tang the edge just because, you know, like I said, first year and and nobody expected anything from these guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to the Baylor Iowa State broadcast the other day, and mm-hmm. um, or may, may, maybe it was another broadcast. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but uh, Dick Vitale mentioned uh, Shaka as his kind of coach of the year, mm-hmm. which I mean yeah. certainly makes a lot of sense, but. I agree with you. I think, Jerome, we've talked about it here on the pod a number of times, but the job he's done has really been pretty incredible, um, especially for a guy that was a longtime assistant that, you know, people might go, well, can he, can he really do it as the head coach? Well, I think he's proven he can. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, that fan base too. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's, he's so such a nice guy. So engaging. I love how he gets in the, with the crowd and dances and, you know, he's kind of finding his own niche in, in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, as far as the women goes. So um, we, we vote for like three all American teams, like first team, second mm-hmm. team, third team. Um, and I'll say this for me, the first team was really easy. Like, it was not hard to come up with the five best players. Uh, I've been paying attention all year. And uh, and two of the five I've seen uh, play this year against Baylor. However, I had nobody from the Big 12 in, the, in my top five. Uh, I did have a couple Big 12 players in the second team, All-America team, Ashley Jones and Rory Harmon of Texas. But uh, my um, – all-America team was Angel Reese at LSU. She's double-double machine, and she does it with long fingernails, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, Maddie Segrist at Villanova, who has scored uh, 20 points plus in every game this year. She's just a, kind of a scoring machine. 
Uh, Aaliyah Boston at South Carolina, she's the Gamecocks best player. And I feel like you got to have at least one uh, Gamecock on the oh, sure. All-America team. Uh, Diamond Miller at Maryland. And, man, she's really, really good. She was tearing the Bears up when she came here to the Ferrell Center and was just holding her shot up there. Just, oh. you know, I mean, she's cocky and, uh, you know, she's good. Um and then my player of the year, Caitlin Clark of Iowa. So, oh, sure, yeah. She's been incredible this season. Uh, she's actually an Iowa girl. She's from Des Moines, obviously stayed in state. And, um, you know, she gets triple doubles. She scores. You know, she was the unanimous Big Ten player of the year um, in a conference that has really been good in women's basketball this year. They're, they're loaded in the Big Ten. Um, and she just goes out every night and puts on a show. I don't know if you saw the shot, Johnny, that she made to beat Indiana. Oh, I saw it. It was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, kind of a curl and she came out and caught it and just flipped it up and made a three to win the game. I mean, just, uh, yeah, she's been great. Um, and so she was kind of an easy pick for me as my player of the year. And then coach of the year, uh, I went a little more boring in that. I, I mean, um, in that I went with Don Staley at South sure. Carolina. Yeah. And to me, it's just it's, uh, in a game that has gotten increasingly more competitive on the women's side with teams. Like I said it, I think on the podcast last week, that week there had been 15 out of top uh, out of the top 25 teams that had lost at least one game that week including four of the top six, um, they're undefeated. <laughs> they haven't lost to anyone. And yeah. granted, the SEC is not the Big Ten, and it's not the Pac-12. It may, it's not even the Big 12. Um, I, I don't think it's quite as good and quite as deep, but South Carolina has challenged itself in uh, – in not in non-conference too, you know, they'll play UConn and they'll, you know, they'll play good teams. So, and I, and they're, I don't know, five and O or something like that against top 25 teams. So, um, you know, it hasn't mattered who they've played. They've just gone out and won. And I'm not sure that this particular South Carolina team was expected to, you know, kind of do exactly what it's doing. I mean, I think everybody thought they'd still be good, but I don't know that everybody thought they'd go wire to wire and look like, you know, they're going to go back to back. I mean, that's uh, I'd be kind of surprised, honestly, right now, if they don't win the national championship. So she's done an incredible job. We've talked about her on the pod, too, just uh, about South Carolina kind of almost supplanting UConn as sort of the, the team to beat in women's basketball. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I like to pick a player of the year if I can from a top team. And it, actually, my first team, I got it right here, uh, Zach Eady, Purdue, Jalen mm-hmm. Wilson, Kansas, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, uh, Jamie Jaquez, UCLA, and Marcus Sasser, Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, four of those teams are in the top five in the country. Yeah, so. yeah. And, but, you know, they usually have – one really great player, two on those teams. Mm-hmm. The only one that's outside is a uh, uh, Jackson Davis from Indiana. He averaged a double double. Yeah, so he, gr- really great player too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I think all five of mine, uh, four of the five were top 10 teams. I think Villanova, uh, Maddie Segrist, they're right outside the top 10. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you do have to have, I think, representation on the best teams, you know. And, you know, it's not exactly rocket science either. The best players usually – make the best teams you know especially put a couple other good players with them yeah yeah right <laughs> they're tough to beat so uh we'll be seeing a lot of those players soon enough as we make that journey up to kc and have some good old barbecue barbecue and a little chicken little fried chicken <laughs> so we'll uh yeah maybe we'll bring you some video content of our meals <laughs> Oh, that, that would be a treat for our viewers. <laughs> they might get a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay.